Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah prophesied that the time was coming when God would make a new covenant with his people. Today we aim to discuss this new covenant and why it was new compared to the old one. We're going to look at how it applies to us today. On our panel today, we have Leah Hodge and John Cosmoyer. Welcome. Before we start our discussion, let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Gracious Father, we ask please for the Holy Spirit now as we discuss this important topic of the New Covenant. As we read the texts and we have the discussion, we ask for the Spirit to guide and give us deeper understanding. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to be talking about covenants. Remind us what a covenant is. I actually have a, de um, a definition here from Macquarie Concise Dictionary that I'm going to read. It actually says a covenant is an agreement between two or more persons to do or to refrain from doing some act. It's all, it also can be called a compact or a contract. However, like in the Bible sense, in the Bible context, uh, um, context the Bible actually says that a covenant is something that God makes with his people um, on condition that we will do something in return. And it's always interesting to note that in the Bible, it's always God that initiates the covenant. It's always God that is, um, you know, reaching out to us. Mm, thankfully for that too. Okay, I want you to turn with me to Jeremiah. I'm going to read Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, this is the first reference in the Bible to the term new covenant. When was this said by Jeremiah, John? At 600 BC, Hezekiah was the king of Judah and he was taken to Babylon together with uh, Daniel. And that was about... 10 years before and then two years Ezekiel was taken captive plus 10,000 others and in his mercy God gave to them the new covenant as an encouragement that they would be coming back yeah it was such a gloomy future they needed some hope and that was hope for them moving on to verse 32 that's Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 32 we read, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. What previous covenant are we referring to here? It's actually um, found in Exodus chapter 19. Um, we're going to read verse uh, 5 and 6, and it says, now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. 
And so here we have um, a covenant said here in verse number five. This was actually the fourth time a covenant is used in the Bible. It was preceded by that one given to, to Adam, to Noah, and then to Abraham. But here we have the children of Israel have just been taken out of the land of Egypt they were in captivity mm. and they'd forgotten who God was. They'd forgotten what his character was, what his law was. So God here is introducing to them who he is and what he requires and, and his love and his law. And so this one is actually referred to the old covenant um, where God gives the law at Mount Sinai. OK, well, thank you for that. How did this covenant uh, given at Sinai reveal the plan of salvation? God had chosen the smallest nation on earth, and that was Israel, to preach the gospel to all the nations. God sought them to elevate them to a spiritual and intellectual and moral level, which would make them the wonder of the ancient world. And all they had to do was to respond to God, to keep his commandments and the requirements that God would reveal through something that had not yet been put together, and that was the sanctuary and its services, which were established shortly after God gave them the Ten Commandments. And in Exodus chapter 25 and verse 8, we read that, let them make me a sanctuary, said God, so that I can dwell with them. Mm. So here is a God who wants to be with his people. Mm. True, he had to put a, a fence around them to shade them, otherwise his glory would have destroyed them. But God was here wanting to be and to live amongst his people. Mm. It's a marvellous thought to think that not only does he reach out first, but also wants to dwell. Absolutely. Them. Yeah. So Leah, how did the children of Israel relate? How did they respond to this covenant? Well, it's interesting. Um, in verse number eight of Exodus 19, it says um, that after, you know, God told them, you know, that the law was proclaimed, it says, and all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So they were fully self-confident, I'm going to say, in that, you know, we can do it. We can we, we want to do it and we will do it. Um, and but interestingly enough, it wasn't long after that, that they actually broke that that promise, that covenant that they'd made with God in the, the golden calf where they set up this golden calf to worship. So just like in Jeremiah 32, which we mm, read, they mm. they broke that covenant. Yeah, they had good intentions, but they broke the covenant. Mm. Let's move on. We're going to read now verse 33, Jeremiah 31 and verse 33. It says, But this shall be the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. This new covenant was with the house of Israel John, does this mean that this covenant was restricted to the biological descendants of Abraham? <laughs> Isaiah said no. Here in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 6, he says, Also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds my covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices, 
will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Mm. And so here we are on the other side of the world, not part of the direct descendants from Abraham, but Mm. we too have taken hold of the new covenant because it was promised to everyone. Mm, Praise God for that. I notice in verse 33, it talks about, I'll put my law in their inward parts. Leah, can you unpack that for us? Yeah, well, look, the Hebrews, they were treating um, obedience as a means of salvation, not as a result of salvation. So they were, you know, doing all these things, performing, you know, all these outward acts in a, in, a, in a way that they thought that that was, the, that was it, that was how they were saved. But what really they were lacking was that inward working of the Holy Spirit, that inward obedience, mm-hmm. which they needed. And so they weren't seeking it by faith. They weren't putting their faith in Christ. They were just doing it in their own strength. It's actually interesting in Romans chapter two, Paul actually talks about this Jew that is not inward, um, not Mm. outwardly a Jew, but he's inwardly a Jew by the circumcision of the heart. And Mm. I think that's a really good representation of what it what it means to have that that inward heart um, experience. It's not something that's just outwardly seen, but it has to be transformative of the heart. Mm, Yeah, that's very, very, very deep. Just uh, turn back a few chapters in the book of Jeremiah with me now to chapter 24, and we're going to read verse 7. It says in verse 7, I'll give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I'll be their God. For they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Now, when we put that text with the verse 33, chapter 31 and verse 33. John, what's that emphasising? Two main things. One is that it's God himself that's reaching out. He hasn't sent someone else. God himself is reaching out. And then we find that he is the one who makes the invitation for people to have a relationship with him. God is not interested in robotics and, Mm. you know, setting up plans on how God wants a personal relationship with us Mm. as friend to friend. And that really is an amazing relationship. No matter how unfaithful people might have been, no matter the apostasy, the rebellion Mm. or the disobedience among them, God still proclaims his willingness Mm. to enter our covenant. We have to make an agreement with God to be willing to repent and to obey and then to claim the promises that he has made. What a blessing. Mm. Mm. Amazing. Very deep. And it also says in verse 33 that this law is written in our hearts. What's that all about, Leah? Yeah, well, we have a really awesome text in Ezekiel chapter 36, and I'm going to read verse 26 and 27. It says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So I I love these verses because it shows that it's actually God's doing it. He's putting it in in us um, and it's not we doing it ourselves. Um, When we have that heart transformation, um, we will love to do God's law. We will love to do what he says because um, he's put it on our heart. And it reminds me of um, the story actually in the New Testament, which it talks about Nicodemus. And 
Jesus said to Nicodemus, you need to be born again, born again of the spirit. You need this transformation of your heart. And it was like a revolutionary thing for Nicodemus, who was very a Pharisee and he was, you know, keeping mm. the law outwardly. And so he's saying, no, 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 you need to be born of the water and of the spirit. And this is the spirit in us working mm. um, the works of God, the works of righteousness. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for that, uh, that description there. Well, this, look, this, this leads to the very important question. Um, yes, we, we want this law written in our hearts. How do we get, go about getting it? We need to accept our covenant relationship with God. We need to claim his promises by faith. The Hebrews thought that just by simply obeying the law that they'd be saved. But Jesus says something here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whoever is angry with his brother without cause Mm. shall be in danger of the judgment himself. And this is where a covenant relationship is more than just an outward obedience Mm. of a sentence or a line. Mm. It's actually what's happening inside a person's Mm. heart, if you like, which is even more himself than the brain that's in his head. We have in our heart something Mm. which connects us to God Mm. and then enables us to keep the covenant relationship Mm. that God wants us to have with him. Yeah, so the the message being that our relationship starts in our thoughts, our outward actions Mm. are based on our thoughts. Mm. That's where the law in our heart yeah, it's actually got um, a good text to go to is Romans 12, um, Romans 12, verse 2, which says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we have Christ in our heart, he transforms our heart and, and our mind. It's renewed. It's beautiful. So to get this this written law in our hearts, we have to what? We have to ask for it mm. because it says there that he will give it to us. So when, when, in the, uh, when in the Bible do we get the first glimpse of this new covenant sort of coming into action? Yeah, it's actually found um, in the early church. We see this new covenant come into action. And I'm going to read um, Romans 11 verse 5, where it says, Even so then, at this present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if you continue reading through Romans chapter 11, you'll see Paul, who's talking about the Gentiles who actually accept the gospel, those who didn't believe and now believing in the Messiah who was portrayed through the earthly sanctuary. And they are grafted into the true vine, into the true people of God. And it didn't matter whether they were, you know, from what race or where they belonged to, they were part of God's people now. And so this is this new covenant that anyone has access to. It's not just for one, you know, one, one person or one group of people, which the Jews thought that. They thought it was just yep. for them. Yeah. Yep. And when the Holy Spirit came in, they went out to all the people. Yeah, that's right. Let's, let's just do a bit of comparison here. John, we're talking about the new covenant. How did it compare to the old covenant? What are the, what are the similarities, differences, old and new? They are the same, and yet there's one big basic difference. 
we have the same God dealing with the same people, wanting the same result of God being with his people. And here in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind, write them on their heart. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Mm-hmm. And so in this sense, it is exactly the same. But when you come to verse 12, for I am merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember them no more. And it shows that the same God who seeks a people by faith and they claim his promises and forgiveness, they both offer salvation by God, by faith in a God who will forgive their sin, not because anything worthy in us, but because of his grace as a result of this forgiveness, we enter into relationship with Jesus. Hmm. So in a sense, we're not talking about old versus new. We're talking about renewed covenant, completion of the old one in Christ. But there is a big difference. And the big difference is that in the old covenant, the sacrifices were animals. Hmm. In the new covenant, the sacrifice is is Jesus. Well, let's just go back and look at the sanctuary. You read earlier, John, Exodus 25, verse 8, where, where the Lord said he wants to make a sanctuary and dwell amongst them. Just go to verse, uh, verse 9, and it says, this is Exodus 25, and verse 9, according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle, or sanctuary, and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so you shall make it. Are we talking a pattern of an original or a pattern of a copy? What's going on here, Leah? Well, the answer is in Hebrews. Um, Hebrews, it says in in chapter 8, verse 5, about this pattern. Uh, Where did it come from? It says, Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed thee in the mount. So here we see that this sanctuary was a pattern of heavenly things. It was a pattern of what was already in heaven. Okay. Well, let's look at this sanctuary that's a pattern, that's a copy of the one in heaven. Um, When Jesus was in Samaria, he met this woman at the well. And in John chapter 4 and verse 22, he says to this woman at the well at Samaria, he says, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. It's pretty bold, salvations of the Jews. So, John, how, was, how did the Jews get salvation through the sanctuary service? Yeah, the Levitical formula. A person would bring a sacrifice to the priest who would offer it. They would pray over it. The person sinned would be transferred to the animal and the person, individual, would go out free, no longer guilty. Okay, so there was forgiveness, there was blood being transferred. Okay. It says in Hebrews uh, 8 verse 6, if I just turn to Hebrews 8 verse 6, it says, <laughs> can't find Hebrews 8 verse 6. Okay. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry 
by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. How is it better? If we're talking, we've got the same covenant. The old is just a renewed, sorry, the new is a, is a, the new covenant is just a renewed old covenant. Why is it better? It's beautiful the way that you that it's portrayed here in um, in in Hebrews 10. It says that um, in verse three and four, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. So those sacrifices, the the animal sacrifices, it's talking about. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. So here we have the um, the old covenant or the the earthly sanctuary was just um, a four like foretaste of what Christ was going to do for us. So all those sacrifices was pointing forward to the Lamb of God, which was to be slain for the sins of the world. And so it was in faith in those sacrifices that we were, you know, the worshippers were meant to be putting their faith in Christ, not in those animals. And so when we see Jesus come to Calvary, he dies on the cross, he takes our sins and he cleanses us. And this was the complete fulfillment of all those sacrifices. Mm. And it's so beautiful that we have a picture of God fulfilling his covenant with us through Jesus, through his ministration on life, um, on you know this life on this earth. He never sinned. He kept the law of God perfectly. He gave his life for us. And now he's in heaven ministering for us. And so mm. this is the better covenant. This is the covenant that was always there, but we needed to, they needed to put their faith in him as the mm. sacrifice. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God for that. How were the Jews told that this covenant had been fulfilled, John? In an amazing way. Jesus was on the cross and died. The priest was ready to slay the lamb when suddenly an unseen hand ripped the curtain of the sanctuary from top to bottom. Now that curtain was 75 millimetres thick. And now they could look straight into the sanctuary. Mm. It was the death of Christ that meant the end of the sacrificial system. No more animals had to die. Mm. So there's, there's two aspects to that. One is the, the supernatural force to, to mm. tear that from the top to bottom. Mm. But secondly, exposing the holy place. An act context. of God. An act of God. So the, the sanctuary service with all the sacrifices that had ended, what else had ended? So what ended is the priesthood, actually, because there was no need for these sacrifices for the, you know, the carrying of blood into the sanctuary. Um, so, yeah, that priesthood, um, it, it ended um, at that point where Jesus died. Yeah. OK, so we have a sanctuary that's in heaven that's operating. And we know that the sanctuary on earth was a copy of the one in heaven the one in heaven must have a priest. When and how did Jesus become this priest? Hebrews 4 makes it very plain that we are now in the new covenant. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And so Jesus is the key to all this. And when you go to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, mm. now this is the main point of the things that we are saying. Mm. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a ministry of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which 
the Lord erected and not mm. man. Mm. And so now that work is being done in the courts of heaven. So Christ right now is up there ministering on our behalf as high priest. Mm. That's amazing. That's very amazing. Yeah, it actually says that in um, Hebrews 10, verse 14 and 15, about what Jesus is doing right now. So it says in Hebrews 10 and 14, it says, For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that he hath said before. So we have Jesus in heaven um, ministering his blood for us and forgiving our sins through through. Yeah, through his blood. It's amazing. Amazing promise. And he's, his blood is the sacrifice. His blood is once and for all. It's the, the sacrifice for all time. There's no continual need for sacrifice. And he's ministering as the high priest. So he's ministering his own blood. That's powerful. That's mm. powerful. John, this leads to the very important issue. We have an old covenant. We have mm. a new covenant. We've got a renewed covenant. Um, What does this all mean for you and I today? The Jews invited the people to come to Jerusalem, to the sanctuary. We are making the invitation, just as the invitation was given to me and to you, that we come to Jesus, still ministering in the sanctuary, still pleading on our behalf. We are asked to make our commitment to the new covenant so that Jesus can do in us and for us what God would love to see being done. So how does a person watching this program say, I want to have a covenant relationship? What does he do? How do do we go into this covenant relationship? We go into the covenant relationship just like the Jew went to the sanctuary. We go to the word of God We learn about Christ, and then when we see what he has done for us, we accept it and say, Lord, thank you. So we have faith. Faith was involved in the old covenant, as you said before, Leah. They had had animals, they had types, and they had to, in faith, trust that that animal was going to, the blood of that animal was going to be paying for their sin. And now we're in faith, we look back to Christ, that the blood of his sacrifice will pay for our sins. And we have this promise that we'll have a new heart. Yeah. And this new heart, God will give us this new heart. And this new heart will be something that which we have. And we'll, have, we'll do things that we want to do because it's in harmony with God's will. Yes. It and it gives us hope. It gives us hope, yes. The blessed hope. And as a result, we will be abundantly blessed. Yes, yes. It's, it's a marvellous thing to think that right now we have a high priest in heaven and that high priest is ministering on our behalf and um, that high priest knows all about us and wants a relationship with us. And we also benefit in the fact that he is now giving us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Amen, amen. Well, the basis of this new covenant, the hope that, has, that it has for us, its basic conditions are the same as what we found in the Old Covenant. It has always been a covenant of God's grace and mercy, a covenant based on love. And we say, give your heart to Jesus today and enter into a wonderful covenant relationship with him. We're glad you're with us today on Let God Speak. You can watch any past program on our website, 3abinaustralia.org.au. 
Teachers' helps can be downloaded from there. You can email us on lgs at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.